welcome to the Healthy Tips Podcast, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your software needs, BulletPad for building lists on your iPad, and also sponsored by donations from our listeners, folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersom, and today we're going to be discussing Part 1 of How to Make Liposomal Vitamin C. Part 1 takes us through the steps to complete your first batch of liposomal vitamin C. And then in Part 2, we will explain how we determine the vitamin C concentration of the batch and how and why we take liposomal vitamin C daily. I'm going to start out by telling you exactly what a liposome is and what it's composed of, and then Bill is actually going to do an entire segment on how we make liposomal vitamin C at home. And he's going to give you blow-by-blow with all of the equipment and all of the steps that are required to make that happen. So, starting out, what is a liposome? A liposome is an artificially prepared spherical vesicle. Now, that sounds like a mouthful, but what we're really saying is that it is a ball that is made up, the wall of the ball is made up of lipids or fat. So this ball is composed of what we call lamellar phase lipid bilayer. And that's just a fancy way of saying fat. It's like the body fat that we have in our body. Liposomes are prepared for the purpose of delivering something to your cells. They're artificially prepared, and usually what they're delivering is some sort of a drug, possibly DNA, something that has to do with your health. In this case, we're delivering a product called vitamin C, and it's it's delivered inside of this lipid, inside of the ball. We have some animations on our site that will help you to understand a little bit more about how these things do occur. They'll explain a little bit more about liposomes, give you animations of how they develop. They're composed primarily of what we call phosphatidylcholine, and you may have heard that big long word before. It's really just enriched phospholipids. What that means is that it's fat. That big long word, phosphatidylcholine, is an ingredient in lecithin. And this is the product that we use when we develop our liposomal vitamin C at home. The word liposome derives from two Greek words, lipo, meaning fat, and soma, which means body. It's a substance called phospholipid made of lecithin, and it's very much like the body fat in your body. So a liposome encapsulates a product, and it does that by holding within itself an aqueous solution, which is like a water solution that has a product dissolved inside of it. And so in this case, the product dissolved inside of that liquid is vitamin C. Remember I said the outer walls of the liposome are composed of a fatty substance. So that fatty outer wall doesn't allow the water to escape. And that's how it gets carried throughout your body. It also escapes the digestive process and gets into your bloodstream quite readily because the vitamin C is not entering your bloodstream in just this watery solution. It's being carried inside of a little insulated spherical vesicle. And so that's how it gets delivered. And that's what makes the liposomal process so important because a much greater percentage of the product actually gets delivered to your cells and not destroyed in the digestive process. 
Now, another aspect of this membrane, this fatty membrane, is that sometimes it's used to deliver products that are not water-soluble. And some products are actually more like this fatty substance that the outer membrane is composed of. And in that case, these substances will adhere to the actual wall of the membrane and be carried through the bloodstream like that. So it can be delivering either something that is fatty-soluble or something that is water-soluble. It's quite a useful tool to deliver products to the cells. Now, how does it actually work? This lipid bilayer that makes up this wall of the sphere that's carrying the product, it's nearly identical to the lipid bilayer of the cellular walls in your body. When the liposome rubs up against the cell, it actually sticks to it, it adheres to it. And then the ball begins to sort of flatten out against the cell wall. Then the cell wall begins to open up and allow the sphere to sort of dissolve into it because they are similar in substance. They begin to sort of merge together. And then there's an opening and whatever the product is that's inside of that sphere just drops into the cell. So that's how it works. It's carried and then there's this flattening out process and the cell wall actually opens up and allows the product to enter the cell. So molecules like DNA, exotic drugs, vitamin C. Another really important thing that's delivered in this way is glutathione. And they slip right past the cell's defenses because the liposome is so similar to the cell. So this liposome that is composed of the fat has this very natural ability to bypass all the destructive elements of this gastric system of the digestive process, and then they're delivered to the cells and the tissues, and they're easily absorbed into the cell. We call this absorption bioavailability, and it really does give the product the ability to get inside the cell quite readily and do the job that it's sent there to do. The amount of the product that you're delivering to the cell, we call this bioavailability. This is what the word means. About 25% of it at the most is available if you're just using vitamin C crystals without this liposomal process. And yet, if you use the liposomal process and deliver the product in a way in which it is shielded from the gastric process of the digestive system, you're going to be getting a much higher availability of the product and you're going to get about 70 to 80% of bioavailability by doing it in this liposomal way. So how are liposomes produced? Well, these lipid vesicles are formed when phospholipids, we've said that that is fats, such as lecithin, are placed in water and then they form a bilayer or a series of bilayers that are each separated by water molecules. And of course, you have to first introduce enough energy to this water solution for this process to take place. Liposomes are created by what we call sonicating phosphatidylcholine-rich phospholipids in water. So they're sonicating lecithin-rich fat in water. And the shear rates that are produced by the sonication process actually do create the liposome. They're created sort of like layers of an onion. 
you have a spherical object that's composed of layers of fat. There are other processes, extrusion and the Mazafari method, that are employed by commercial production of liposomal materials that are for human use. But sonication is the act of applying sound energy to agitate particles in a sample. We do this at home using an ultrasonic cleansing machine. The ultrasonic frequencies are greater than 20 kilohertz. And this is what leads to the process also being known as ultrasonication. I'm going to turn this over to Bill now. I've kind of used a lot of jargon. I know that he may have been able to say it a lot better. Bill's a lot more familiar with this process than I am in terms of understanding all the ins and outs of it. But I do want him to spend his time talking to you about how we actually make it. And so I'm going to turn it over to you now, Bill. Thank you, Kira. And thanks for such a wonderful job of hitting the high spots of what is a liposome. By the way, even on the videos that we're going to post for you, liposomal basics, they call it liposomes. So there is this potato, potato, tomato, tomato thing going on with liposomes. As we did our research, we were taught to pronounce it liposome. So either way, to make liposomal vitamin C at home, and in our previous podcasts, you will find out why we wanted to do it, including the pictures of the New Zealand farmer who had swine flu, whose life was saved with liposomal vitamin C in an intravenous or IV solution. But when I make it at home, I start off with ascorbic acid powder in crystalline form. I start out with dry lecithin. You can also use liquid lecithin. It's real dark. It looks like molasses and it's very, very viscous and flows like molasses. doesn't taste a lot like molasses. I use sunflower powdered lecithin and I also use soy granule lecithin. The sunflower powder is very light, almost like flour, and it's very sticky. The soy granules are like little teeny pebbles. They are also somewhat sticky. Normally, you use just one or the other, right? You don't use them both together. Is that how? Um, I normally, that's a great question, Kira. Yes, when I first started, I did use them both together. Uh, Presently, I just ran out of sunflower lecithin and I have not replaced it. So I've been using the soy lecithin by itself. But when I get a new replacement of sunflower lecithin, I will probably go back to using both together. So great question, though. Distilled water is the medium that I use, and this is for two reasons. Number one, tap water has chlorine, and that is certainly not a product that you want in a healthy substance like liposomal vitamin C. And the second reason is that even if you have well water and you have no chlorine in there, you are going to have dissolved solids, other minerals, and so forth which we're not exactly sure how that's going to react when it gets into the liposome reaction. So use distilled water, either buy it as I do, or if you're lucky enough to have a tabletop, countertop distiller, use that. We need to take a break for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our program is sponsored by AppJudo, your complete web and mobile application development service. The Japanese word judo means the gentle way. 
The martial art of judo got this name because it signifies maximum efficiency and mutual welfare and benefit. AppJudo follows these same principles in all its software development projects, using the best technologies and computer science principles to serve clients' needs elegantly and intelligently. AppJudo prides itself on building attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, AppJudo can help make your project a success. Visit AppJudo today at www.appjudo.com. Now, for some of my equipment, I have a 30-ounce glass jar, and that's what I keep the vitamin C in from day to day. I like this jar because it fits so well in the door of the fridge. (laughs) It's It's a mayonnaise jar, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's an old mayonnaise jar with a plastic lid. It's so easy to clean, and being glass, it keeps it nice and fresh. It seals great. It keeps the vitamin C from oxidizing. And of course, if it was dark glass, it would be even better, but there's very little light that gets on it anyways. I use an 8-ounce glass jar because that's for the overflow. My batch is usually 32 ounces or sometimes a little bit greater. So it doesn't all fit in a 30-ounce jar. So for the first two days, I'll be using a much smaller jar until the first of the product is gone. I use a two-cup glass measuring container. It's clear. It's got easy-to-read markings on the sides. Mine is red markings. It's very easy to clean. It's hefty, and it doesn't tend to fall over, and it's got a nice handle on it, so I can grip it even when my hands are wet. And it's easy to pour out without spilling. I use a wooden spatula for stirring the mix when it's in the ultrasonic machine. I use a soft blade plastic spatula for scraping out sometimes the measuring cup, scraping out the blender pitcher, scraping out the tank of the ultrasonic machine. I use a metal measuring spoon, a tablespoon size, and this is like something you'd get in a set of measuring spoons. I use a butter knife, but this one has a straight back edge, not a curved back edge. So I had to look for this specifically. It's not part of my set of flatware, but it has a nice straight back edge, so I can use it for scraping off both the lecithin and the vitamin C when I'm using the tablespoon measuring spoon. That's so you don't skew the measurement at all, That's right. right. (laughs) Then I have a 24 to 30 ounce plastic shaker bottle with a nice tight screw-on lid. Now, this is a bottle that perhaps could have been used for a water bottle if you you know were going to a sports game or something, but mine is a kind of a rectangular shape with, like, say, finger grooves down the side, easy to hold on to. The lid fits nice and tight. It's got a little pop-off at the top, but I don't ever use that because it doesn't pour very well out of that pop-off. But the lid is nice and tight, so when I shake it real hard, it doesn't spill. I have an electric blender. I have a timer. You can use an inexpensive electronic one, which is what I use. You could use your smartphone, or you could use your Kindle Fire, or you could use your iPad. Then the biggest piece of equipment is an ultrasonic jewelry cleaner machine. It has these features, an electronic timer with an automatic shutoff, a 6 to 8 minute maximum cycle time, 70 watts or more of ultrasonic generator power, 
Now, in the advertising, they often will give you total power of the machine. For instance, this particular machine I have said that's 160 watts. But be careful about that because that includes the wattage that is given to the heater. Some of these jewelry cleaners need to have a heater on board so that they can heat up the water to a couple hundred degrees and really, really clean out the jewelry or watches or coins or other types of things. You will never, ever, ever use a heater in this product. As a matter of fact, we want to keep the temperature quite low at room temperature as best as possible. So try to find out either in the specs of the machine or going online, looking around. Recently, I noticed by going back over the advertisements for my machine that they no longer give the actual specs of the ultrasonic generator. But in some of the early research that I did, I did discover that it was a 70-watt ultrasonic generator. It also has an internal fan. This is very important because it helps to keep the humidity inside the machine where the controls are at a minimum. Mine has a two to two and a half liter tank. I think mine has an actual two and a half liter tank, but you would like to get one with at least a two liter tank. You would like to get one with a removable lid for easier cleaning and a detachable electrical cord. Again, for easier cleaning and also to keep the electricity completely away from the sink. Issues with less expensive machines, and you can use a less expensive machine. Many of the instructions online talk about buying a machine at Harbor Freight. Well, I love Harbor Freight. It's one of my most favorite tool shops to buy retail tools. And they have a cute little machine for $35. It has a 35-watt generator, but it has no fan, so it has no way to bring extra air to the interior and help cut down on the humidity. It does not have a very long cycle time for its max cycle time. It has a very small tank, somewhere between half a liter and three quarters of a liter. So they can be used, but in my research, I discovered that within three to six months, a lot of those machines were stopping to work because they had issues either with the humidity getting at the electronics or one thing or another. So what is the procedure? to make a batch. Well, the first thing that I do is start with what I call the liposomal vitamin C batch sheet. Now, we're going to make that available to you on our website, courtesy of betterlivinginstitute.com. It's in a PDF format, so you just need to download it and print it out. It's two-sided. The first side of the sheet is actually the batch sheet directions and instructions and the area where you put all your ingredients down as you use them. On the opposite side is the spot where you're going to record your usage day by day till you know you run out of product. So I start with my batch sheet. The first thing that is at the top is the date. So I put in the date and then the day of the week and then I write my batch number down. Right now, currently, I think we're on batch 43 or 44, and they last a little over a week. So we've been doing this now well over six months. Then I assemble all of my equipment, what I just described to you. The next step 
is to spoon the lecithin into my shaker container. So I use my tablespoon, and out of the lecithin container, I scoop level tablespoons. I use the straight back butter knife to scrape off each level tablespoon. Currently, in my batches, I'm using 12 level tablespoons of soy lecithin. And you'll see on the batch sheet that there are numbers from 1 to 15 for soy lecithin, numbers from 1 to 14 for sunflower lecithin, and 1 to 15 for vitamin C crystals. So I'll do, say, three or four tablespoons, and then I'll go to the batch sheet and circle those numbers, 1, 2, 3, 4. Then I'll go back to scooping and back and forth until I've actually scooped out 12. And by doing it this way, I don't lose track of how much lecithin I'm putting into the jar. Now, my next step is actually to close the lid of the lecithin container and then finish doing my recording of how many tablespoons of lecithin on the batch sheet. The next thing I do is open the ascorbic acid container. I'm using an old container from my first pound of sunflower lecithin. It was a nice, wide-mouthed, plastic, one-pound container. It's opaque. It's tightly sealing. It's like a perfect place to keep my ascorbic acid in. And my ascorbic acid comes in plastic foil pouches of one kilogram each. Now, kilogram is 2.2 pounds. And the foil pouches are just so hard to scoop out of. And I was so frustrated when I first got the ascorbic acid product in these pouches. But I did discover that, boy, the empty sunflower lecithin container made a perfect container for ascorbic acid. So I opened that container, and then I start scooping tablespoons of ascorbic acid into the same shaker bottle. I will also do the same thing doing say, three or four scoops of ascorbic acid and then going to the batch sheet and circling those numbers, one, two, three, four, doing more tablespoons, circling four through eight, and eventually I get to 10. 10 is the number that I'm currently using for ascorbic acid tablespoons in a particular batch. Now, when I get to 10, I close the lid. It's very, very important. Close the lid on the ascorbic acid container, and then I finish doing any recording on the batch sheet so I don't lose my place or forget how many tablespoons I use. Now, only after all the lids are closed do I open up the distilled water container. Usually it's a gallon plastic container from the grocery store. And then start pouring the distilled water into my measuring cup. So at this point, you have your lecithin and your shaker container, and now you have 10 tablespoons you've added of ascorbic acid to that container. And now you've taken your measuring cup and you've filled it up with distilled water to 16 ounces. Is that correct? That's right. And I use room temperature water. At one point, I used to take that whole measuring cup and put it into the microwave and try to heat it slightly and make sure that it's not very hot. Here's the danger. When vitamin C gets over 105 degrees, it begins to lose potency. And too much above 105 degrees, and it actually begins to be destroyed. 
So cooking vegetables over a stove, as you would for a family, pretty much destroys most of the vitamin C that's in them. You really want to do this at room temperature. Now, I have put on my instructions anywhere from 72 to 105, because some of you people that live in like Florida or South Texas, and it's hot and you have no air conditioning, and if your kitchen is 105, you can still make liposomal vitamin C. Now, you may end up needing to put one of those little plastic refrigerating units into your tank in between actually doing the ultrasonics to make sure you keep the temperature that low enough, but you can, in fact, do that. So I take the measuring cup with 16 ounces of room temperature water, and I pour it into the shaker bottle. And you can hear the gurgling, gurgling as the water goes down through the mix, because the mix is now in a dry form, about halfway up the side of this shaker bottle. And when the water goes in, it doesn't really come up to maybe more than two-thirds or even three-quarters the size of the bottle itself. So I take the lid, put it on nice and tight, and I shake it vigorously so that I don't see any lecithin at the bottom that is like sticking to the bottom or this type of thing. Lecithin will get quite dark brown and you can see little globules on the bottom of your container, and you just keep shaking. Why do you keep the lid on nice and tight? Because lecithin vitamin C in a mix makes a real poor paint for your cupboards. And when it splashes everywhere because you didn't put the lid on nice and tight, it can be a problem. It's really hard to clean up, too. Very sticky stuff, huh? So I shake it and shake it and shake it initially, minute or so, maybe a couple of minutes. That seems like a long time when you're just standing there shaking something. And then I'll let it sit on the counter, and half an hour later, I'll come back and shake it again. And I repeat this every half an hour for two to three hours. I just kind of let it sit there and let it just kind of dissolve into a gooey, gloopy, gloppy mess, because that's what it really is at that point. We're going to take a break here for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our podcast is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is a great tool for writers and thinkers, featuring a simple but powerful toolbar above the keyboard to help you navigate your text with arrow keys and to change the indent of your bullet points. Use drag and drop to move your bullet points anywhere in the list. Use the zoom in feature to drill down on any section of your list or use zoom out to get the big picture view. BulletPad is available now for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for BulletPad. Then I get ready to put it into the blender. I'll take the lid off the bottle and I'll pour the mix Because at this point, as I said, you don't want to try to pour it through that little tiny opening in the top of the lid. So I just take the lid completely off, take the lid off of the blender pitcher, and I pour all the mix right into the blender. Then I take the measuring cup, and I pour 12 ounces of distilled water into the measuring cup. Now this 12 ounces is actually going to get poured into the shaker bottle first. So don't forget and just... Boom, pour it right into the blender pitcher, which I sometimes do. But pour it into the shaker bottle because the shaker bottle still got lots and lots of gloopy mixed product in there. And you want to try to dissolve as much as that as possible. And it will. 
and it will dissolve into a very light liquid. So after shaking that for several seconds, if not a minute, pour that into the blender as well. Put the lid on the blender and turn the blender on. Now, at the same time, start your little electronic timer. I use the lowest setting on my blender, which is stir. And I let it run between two and three minutes. A lot of times, it's just how it looks to me because I need this mechanical forced mixing. It will also create somewhat of a froth, and I don't want the froth, but it will get created. When you pour the mix into the ultrasonic cleaner machine, the froth will eventually dissipate. It takes several cycles, but it will, in fact, dissipate. So it's not a major concern. But I try to minimize the froth by making sure that I've done the absolute positive mixing that I need to do. And as I say, it takes between two minutes. I've had success with two minutes, and I've also let it run many times on three minutes. So at this point, you have all of your mixture in the blender. You've added 12 additional ounces of water. So you have 16 ounces plus 12 ounces of water. Which is 28, 28 ounces. And by the way, you need to keep going back and forth to your batch sheet so that you can record these numbers. At the top of the batch sheet, almost the very first line after your date and day and batch number, is the distilled water entry places. So your first amount of water, your second amount of water, plus if you have a third amount of water, which you put in, and then that equals your total amount of distilled water. And then, as I said, the next space is for circling how many tablespoons of vitamin C. There's also a line below that, a way to calculate the actual volume of vitamin C or the actual grams of vitamin C that's going into your batch that day. Then you record your sunflower lecithin, your soy lecithin, your blender setting, your blender time is on the batch sheet. And then I have a line called the consistency after blending, which is kind of like my guess, you know, is it liquidy? Is it gloopy? Is it like snotty? How exactly, (laughs) you know, does it look when it comes out of the blender? Oftentimes, mine is very liquidy when it comes first out of the blender. I have a line for some notes if you wish to add them. And then the next line records how many different cycles of ultrasonic machine time that you actually utilize. Now, my machine is a 44,000 hertz or 44 kilohertz ultrasonic generator. My generator is in the very, very center of the bottom of the tank. And again, I have a two and a half liter tank. So it's a nice rectangular tank in a very cute little rectangular machine. I stir the mixture often, not continuously, but often, so that I can continually have fresh material moving past that ultrasonic center of the machine. Because it's the actual vibrations, or as Kira said earlier, the ultrasonic shear, also called sonication, that is causing these little fat globules from the lecithin to form around the little particles, which in this case, the little molecules are vitamin C. This process is really very similar to what happens in an oyster. When an oyster gets a little teeny grain of sand, and that sand is irritating, 
to the oyster. So the oyster starts throwing layer upon layer upon layer over that little teeny piece of sand grain. And we eventually start calling that a pearl. So these little layers of fat are kind of being caused to form around the tiny molecules of vitamin C. And that becomes a liposomal vitamin C. So I turn the machine on for the first eight-minute cycle after I have gently poured the mix from the blender pitcher into the ultrasonic machine. I stir it with the wooden spatula. Now, why wooden? I really don't know, but in my research, over and over and over again, everybody was saying, use a wooden spatula, use a wooden spatula. So I have this cute little flat wooden spatula that was in the drawer, and I have now taken possession of it, and I use it for this process almost exclusively. Well, and ours is really neat because it has actually sort of a square bottom to it, so it's got a straight edge on the bottom, and you can sort of scrape it along the bottom of our ultrasonic machine (laughs) as you're making it. The other thing I want to mention, too, is when I'm in there watching you, and I know a couple times I've gone in and, and started up the machine when it's cooled down and maybe you're doing something else, I'm always careful to circle one of your little circles on your sheet so that you know that I actually did that. (laughs) You don't go back in and and miss the fact that I did it a time or two when you weren't around. But um, the interesting thing is that it's not minutes on our machine. It says seconds. So I just wanted to point that out that it's 480 seconds, right, in each eight-minute cycle? That's right. That's my longest cycle. I think my machine has four, five, maybe even six different cycles that you could choose. But I mean, certainly at least four. And my longest cycle is 480 seconds, which as Kira just said, divided by 60 is, of course, eight minutes. It's got a digital readout, three little digits, and we just let it decay from 480 down to zero. Now, one thing that Kira barely touched upon here when she mentioned temperature The ultrasonic cleaner machine, while the generator is working, and again, the generator is attached directly to the underside of the bottom of the tank, and it's vibrating, thereby vibrating the tank, and then vibrating the mix that's in the tank. As a matter of fact, the mix will spatter all over your counter if you don't keep the lid on. And I have recently discovered that if I use one of those spatter screens like you use on a... When you're frying bacon. (laughs) Right, hamburgers. That allows the spatter to stay in the machine but lets my mix stay cooler. And here's the issue. The ultrasonic machine generates heat while it's creating all this fantastic energy. And so if you use it continuously, boom, 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 through the cycles, Mm -hmm. it will get too hot and it will actually destroy the vitamin C that you're trying desperately hard to make. Yes. And this is even though you're not using the heater element of the machine, but just the agitation and the friction of the machine itself creates heat. So what I have figured out that I had to do is between cycles, and certainly you don't do this while it's running, you never put your finger into it because it will bite your finger. But after it's done running, I take a clean finger and put it into the mix and put it all the way down to the bottom of the tank to feel the temperature of the tank. And if it feels on the warm side to me, which means that it's at least 98 degrees, if not even warmer, then I let the mix sit for a while. Now, it's never been a big bother. 
I'll let it sit for half an hour, sometimes 40 minutes. Sometimes I'll forget about it for a while and then come back and go, oh my gosh, I forgot all about it. But it will be back to room temperature, dead cold, and I'll run another cycle. Usually, I can do two cycles in a row before the bottom of the tank gets warm enough that I'm getting concerned about my vitamin C. Now, recently, I've discovered that if I use those little teeny square cooling units from the freezer, these are the kind of things that the kids will need in their lunchbox. I think my granddaughter left one over here after school one day, and that's how I ended up with one. Well, I went on to Amazon, and I discovered that there's a company called Cool It, and you can buy four of them in a pack for like seven ninety nine, and it's free shipping if you have Prime. You're talking about these little thin square ones that sort of keep a sandwich cool in the lunchbox? That's right. They're only like, say, half an inch in thickness, and they're about maybe a little over four inches each way square. And one of those fits just perfect into the vitamin C mix tank. I never use it while the machine is on, so I don't know what the ultrasonics would do to that plastic, but it doesn't leak out the material that's inside, and I drop one of them in, and one of them is enough to cool the cycle down so I can start again. Well, you get four of them in a pack for $7.99, so you could do two cycles back-to-back, put one in, cool it down, do two more cycles, Put another one in, cool it down, and then you're taking them out in between running the machine, right? Absolutely, I take them out and then use my plastic spatula to scrape all the mix off of them. Then, of course, clean them, put them back in the freezer, and later on they'll be ready. They won't be ready that same day, but you can cycle them that way. It's a real neat little trick if you need to push your whole process forward for whatever reason. Now, again, each time I do a cycle. I either use a spatter shield or actually use the lid because you will get spatter all over your counter. At the end of your last cycle, and I have run seven cycles at 56 minutes. I've run eight cycles, 64 minutes. I've done nine cycles at 72 minutes. And I've actually gone all the way whole hog and did 10 cycles at 80 minutes. I've never gone past 10 cycles. Who's to say exactly why you would do 7 at 56 or 10 at 80. I mean, it's just kind of like what I sometimes feel like at the day and sometimes how much extra time I have to do the whole process. Do you kind of have the feeling if you run it more that you're getting more liposomal development? Well, I'm hoping. <laughs> I mean, molecularly, I have no way because you need some very, very fancy electron microscopes to really actually see if you are, in fact, making liposomes or not. And we'll discuss that at the very, very end of this podcast. But I did notice that it changes consistency often. Like when I first started, it goes from a liquidy consistency into a carol syrup type consistency. And then the longer I run, the more it gets back to a liquid consistency again. So, I mean, it's hard to figure it out. Is there any difference if you just use the soy lecithin as opposed to the sunflower lecithin? Is the consistency different? That's a great question as well. When I did use the sunflower lecithin, if I used more of it than the soy, I would get a thicker consistency. I would. I also get a slightly different color. But I don't think that when we actually ingested the product that there was really very much of a difference. My body didn't seem to think that one was superior or not to the other. 
Did it taste any different? I don't think the taste was all that much different either. Kira and I actually mixed the liposomal vitamin C in with apple cider every morning. We each have our own levels of apple cider that we like to use, so you don't taste a lot of it anyways. You especially don't taste the lecithin taste. You still can taste some of the bitterness of the vitamin C. But eventually, you'll be at a spot where it's time to turn the machine off, and it's time to start getting the mixture out and into your 30-ounce jar. I used to try to pour it out of the machine when I was first getting started, and it reminded me of a video that Kira and I watched on YouTube, an instructional video of a guy making liposomal vitamin C on his countertop. And that's exactly what he did with his mixture. And he had a fairly large tank, like I do. And all of a sudden, in the video, he was swearing a blue streak. (laughs) I mean, GD and everything. Right on. And he never even bothered to correct the video. And (laughs) what was prompting all this was that as he started to pour, it sloshed. Because it likes to slosh from back and forth in the tank. <laughs> and it sloshed all over. About a third of what he made was all over the counter and not in the vessel that he was trying to board it to. <laughs> so I've had that same trouble. And I've decided that a better way to handle this whole process, because I'm expending time, energy, money for product. I don't want the product on the counter. <laughs> I want it so I can use it and Kira can use it. So I use a little scooper. Now, the one that I use came free in a box of laundry soap powder. It's got a little handle and kind of a large mouth, but it is plastic, so I don't have to worry about it banging on things. Mine is probably like four ounces or so. And so I scoop it from there into the measuring cup. And this is very important because at this point, it's very, very important to measure the total ounces of mix that you have, because in the calculations that follow, that's how you're going to know how much vitamin C you're getting per ounce. I keep dipping, or I call it bailing, like you would an old rowboat. I bail it into the two-cup measuring cup, which is 16 ounces, and I get right up to that 16-ounce place. And then carefully, I pour that into the clean 30-ounce jar. Then I record on my batch sheet that I have actually dipped out and measured 16 ounces. That's on the very bottom of the batch sheet. Then I go back to dipping again, and I get close to the bottom of the tank, and I try to get to a nice level spot, say 12 ounces, and then I record that amount on my batch sheet, and I pour that amount into the 30-ounce jar. So now I've got 28 ounces in the 30-ounce jar, and that's enough. That's all I really want to put in there. So that now you can put a cap on the 30-ounce jar, put it away in the fridge, and your whole first jar is now completely filled and in the fridge and nice and safe, and you won't be spilling it. (laughs) Then there's a little bit that's left over, and at this point, you can actually pick up the tank And I forgot one thing to say earlier, which is when you're done with all of your cycles, remove the electrical cord from the machine and make sure you actually unplug it from your ball or your duplex, even before you start bailing out. So now that you are down to the last few ounces in your 
ultrasonic cleaner, you're able to pick that up. There's no cord connected to it. And you can now, by holding it in one arm over the top of the container, you can maybe balance it on the measuring cup. And using your spatula, you can scrape everything else out. And again, that's going to come out to be, you know, a couple of ounces, maybe four ounces. But it's certainly not going to slosh. It's not going to splash out. It's Mm going to be easy to pour. You're going to use your spatula to scrape out the tank and recover every single last bit of it. And the machine itself really isn't that heavy to hold on. It's not. It's awkward. So it is a little practice because you could drop it. But you want to be as careful as you can. And you want to try to get as much of the ounces as possible so that you can record the total amount of the batch. And on your batch sheet, you will notice that there are three separate blanks where you can record ounces, and then you can total it up into the final spot. Okay, now it's time to record that last little bit of ounces in the measuring cup. Pour that into your 8-ounce container. Put the cap on it. Put that away into the fridge. And wow, congratulations, your whole first batch is done. And it's safely put away, and it cannot be spilled, and you're in good shape. Time to clean up all your gear. And this brings us to the end of today's Part 1 discussion on how to make liposomal vitamin C. Please join us again next week for Part 2 of How to Make Liposomal Vitamin C. We'll be discussing how we determine the vitamin C concentration of our daily doses, when and how we take them, and also the importance of daily lecithin supplementation in your diet. Before we leave you, we want to tell you that we are not licensed healthcare providers, and nothing we say here should be misconstrued as medical advice. It's not meant to treat, diagnose, or prescribe anything. Everything we share here is our own opinions, based on our own personal research and experimentation. So please consult your own licensed health or medical advisor before following this or any other health program or advice. Bill and I want to thank you for listening today. You can subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes Podcast and just look for the Healthy Tips Podcast produced by the Better Living Institute. Or you can also find us at our own website by going to www.betterlivinginstitute.com. There you will see all of our podcasts, articles, and products. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope that you'll share it with your friends and family. Thanks for being with us, and please join us again next week. For the Better Living Institute, we're Kira and Bill Van Ittersom. So long for now, everyone. <laughs>